0: Are you looking for a fresh perspective and practical insights for how to better shepherd the hearts of your children? Do you enjoy hearing from Ginger and me every week, but would also love hearing from our favorite parenting mentor? Then we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. Long before my husband and I had kids of our own, I knew I wanted to be a homeschooling mom. But when my oldest was ready to start kindergarten, I had just had our third child, who we affectionately referred to as the baby monster. Homeschooling didn't seem possible with a kindergartner, a toddler, and a baby monster. I was so thankful that a friend introduced me to BJU Press. Their all-in-one curriculum resources gave me the confidence to homeschool at a time when it didn't seem possible. Their video lessons that, by the way, are engaging and taught by experienced teachers, those videos were a time and a sanity saver for me. Best of all, their K-5 through grade 12 all-in-one curriculum options are rooted in a solid biblical worldview. To learn more about BJU Press, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and see what they have to offer. You'll find their parent-led resources as well as independent learning materials at BJUPressHomeschool.com. And tell them the baby monster sent you. Well, Ginger, I cannot believe this is the 100th episode of this podcast.
1: I know it is such a special day, which is why we wanted to celebrate by having an exceptionally special guest on our show. In a lot of ways, we have Ted Tripp, our guest today, to thank for this podcast. (laughs) When people ask me, uh, Ginger, what inspired you to start a ministry on biblical parenting or what's your favorite parenting book? My answer has always been Ted Tripp and his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. Aside from the Bible, it was Ted's book that helped shape the backbone of my own parenting and approach it from a biblical, Christ-oriented perspective. In my opinion, Ted's book is the best of the best. In a nutshell, it's about the importance of heart training over behavior modification and taking every opportunity to point our children to their need for Jesus. How many times on this podcast have you guys heard Katie and me talk about the importance of reaching the hearts of our children for The glory of God. Mm. So much of what I speak and write about is based on what I've learned from Ted Tripp. For all of you shepherding a child's heart fans who are listening, Ted also wrote a follow-up book with his wife Margie called Instructing a Child's Heart, which is also fantastic. Same biblical concepts, but with much more practical application, which, you know, let's face it, that's what busy moms and dads want these days. We want to know how to practically apply God's word to our parenting. Ted draws from many, many, many years of experience as a pastor, counselor, husband, dad, granddad, and educational administrator. And yes, Ted, I know that makes you sound a little old, but remember (laughs) with age comes wisdom. There are millions of people all over the world who have been encouraged by the wisdom the Lord has given Ted Tripp. He is the founder of Shepherd Press, which is the publisher of my Wise Words for Moms chart and my book, Don't Make Me Count to Three which are the books that launched my ministry of speaking and writing on the topic of biblical parenting over 20 years ago. That's why I say if it was not for Ted Tripp, Katie and I would not be here every week encouraging you all to reach the hearts of your children and point them to the transformational power of Christ. Mm -hmm. Ted has mentored me in ministry as well as personally, and I could not be more thankful for the godly influence he has been in my life. Ted, thank you for joining us today. It is truly an honor to have you on our show.
2: Thank you very much, Ginger. You're very kind. I've uh, always valued our friendship and uh, felt that uh, you were able to uh, to, uh, articulate things that I wanted to communicate, but from the perspective of a mom. And I can't write like a mother. So you did. And uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm thankful for God's blessing on your work.
1: Well, thank you for that. Ted, I just always wanted to be the best mom that I could be, which is why I read so many parenting books when my children were young. And the problem was that they all approached child training from the standpoint of how to get children to behave, which is why Shepherding a Child's Heart was such a game changer for me. It was the first book I read that focused more on the inward struggle with sin than the outward behavior and the child's need for Jesus to bring about genuine heart change. Uh, your book was revolutionary in that it was a much-needed paradigm shift from what was being taught in so many other Christian parenting books. So, Ted, why did you see the need to encourage parents to change their way of thinking and approach child training from a different perspective?
2: Well, you just articulated it, Ginger. I think that uh, if, if the focus is managing behavior, then that opens me up to a whole range of behavior management tools, which is what generally books advocate, uh, you know, and uh, incentives, disincentives, encouraging certain kinds of behavior, motivating that behavior, uh, giving them attaboys uh, when they've done well with those things. And so you immediately focus on the those very external behaviorally oriented things. And the children begin to realize that that's the name of the game with you. They, they pick up on what's important to you. Because they love you, and you know, there's that natural filial affection with a parent and a child. So they, they want to please mom and dad, and they learn I please mom and dad by being a good little boy or girl. And so the focus gets all on these very external things. When we go there, it's very difficult to get from there to the gospel. I mean, there are behaviorists all over the world who are managing their children with behaviorism. They don't need the gospel to do that. And I get it. I understand why people do it, because behaviorism is very effective. You can manage, if you're, you know, you're an adult, you can figure out what will motivate your child, which child will be moved by praise, which one will be moved by rewards, and you can figure out how to get him to jump through your hoops. But it doesn't accomplish the goals we want to accomplish as Christian parents, because we want something more profound than that. And, uh, you know, Margie and I used to talk about this years ago. We we used to talk about... uh, because we got really good at getting our kids to comply. But we used to talk about how do you get under the skin? And then it began to occur to us, the biblical term for that is the heart. It's Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, because that is the wellspring of life. We live out of our hearts. And it's, as you know, if my focus is managing behavior, I don't need the gospel for that. If my focus is the heart, I've got no other place to go than the gospel. So that immediately turns the 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 focus away from just how do I manage and control the external stuff, to how do I help this child understand himself and his own internal struggles because they're all different you know we're we're all different, I mean each of us if we, want to be candid at this moment we probably wouldn't be wise but we could uh, we could identify what are those internal struggles we have pride self love selfishness compulsive self service whatever it is you know uh, uh, fear of man, desire to be approved. You could go on and on. Uh, we, But we can identify what are those things that are our besetting struggles. They're not the same with every kid, and they're not the same with every adult. Uh, there are certain things that are those struggles for Margie, my wife, that are not struggles for me. There are things that are struggles for me that are not struggles for her because we're different. You never get to that stuff if you're just simply dealing with the external behavior. Hmm. So there's just so many reasons. You know, another thing, Ginger, is so interesting, I think it's just so fascinating to me, is that um, if you focus on managing behavior, you will miss good behavior that is motivated for motives that ought to be repented of. Hmm. So you can have a child behave in a way which is externally appropriate out of pride. Out of uh, the fear of man, out of a desire to be approved, out of a craven des- neediness, to I want you to notice what I'm doing and approve me, uh, you know. And but they'll behave in ways that are externally appropriate. Do you have time for me to tell you a little story?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: We're yeah. sure. uh, we we're, we're at a summer cottage with our grandchildren. We always spent uh, we have nine grandkids. We always spent ten days in the summer with them. We'd have all nine of them there. I was like an activities director on the on a cruise ship, you know, just trying to keep everybody busy doing interesting <laughs> stuff. So I got I got this little kayak, and uh, it was one of these plastic, you know, kayaks for kids. And uh, we were going to put it in the water the next day. And my grandson, uh, well, he's about eight years old. He came up to me uh, that night. I'm sitting on the porch, and he came walking along. He said, "Grandpa, you know what's going to happen tomorrow?" He says, "As soon as you put that kayak in the water, everyone's going to be fighting over it." And as soon as someone gets 15 feet from the shore, they'll be calling back, "Come back! It's my turn now! You've had, you've had enough!" He said, "No, what I'm going to do. I'm just going to lay back. I'm going to let them all fight over it. And When they're all done, I'm going to take the kayak and go for a big long ride all the way around the lake." <laughs> so now the next morning, he's not <laughs> fighting over the kayak. If you were just, if 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 you didn't know the backstory, you'd think what a virtuous little boy! Everyone else mm-hmm. is arguing over the kayak, and he's just biding his time. But it wasn't—he wasn't motivated by love for others. He was motivated by crass self-centeredness, and he developed a strategy that would give him maximum time <laughs> in, the, in the kayak. We miss that yeah. if we just focus on behavior, because mm-hmm. we'll miss the the, uh, the 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 things that are externally appropriate when the motives are motives that we ought to be. Seeking God for repentance of, Mm -hmm. so I I think that there's just so many reasons why it's so important to focus on on the heart rather than on behavior, and then that just brings the gospel up all the time. I always feel like I've got to give a caveat to parents: well, you can't have a counseling session every time your kids need correction. It's true. Sometimes you're on the way to church; you got to just say, "Kids, we're not going to adjudicate this fight over who sits by the window. You sit here. You sit here. You sit here. We're going." You know, sometimes we have to do that, and we just have to adjudicate it, make an, an expedient decision. But what I want to give parents is that bigger vision, and that's what you've done with your writing and your and your work. I mean, that's what you know. Wise words for moms. It's just, I mean, it is a it's a classic treasure piece because it, it it gives people the ability to ask good questions that help probe those hard attitudes, and and I think that. Uh, you know that's just so incredibly important. So that was my uh, focus when I wrote Shepherding. I remember writing it, thinking, "Why am I spending all this time? No one's ever going to read this thing." You know, <laughs> but
1: uh, <laughs> little but, um, did you know. <laughs> He sure did. He sure did. That that book has blessed so many people. And, you know, the heart-probing questions, we get that example from Jesus. You know, if you think about yeah, it in the stories absolutely. in Scripture, when people did stuff wrong, Jesus didn't shake His finger in their face and say, this is what you did wrong, and this is what you should have done instead. So often, He would ask those heart-probing questions, yeah, and that like, would cause the know, people to evaluate themselves.
2: Exactly. Like with the Pharisee, you know— uh, uh, in was at Luke six or seven. You know, the the, the woman is washing his fe- his feet with her hair and pouring perfume on him, and and he judges her. And then Jesus asks this wonderful question: You know, one person was forgiven much; one was forgiven a little. Who do you think loved the most?
0: Mm-hmm. And you can almost
2: hear this guy gritting it through his teeth. I suppose the one who was forgiven the most, because he's just <laughs> you know, it's such a great question because it focused on that heart issue. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right. Mm. Well, speaking of behaviors, this is a good segue for this question. So I I found that so much of what you teach involves discerning issues of our own hearts before we can shepherd the hearts of our children. If we don't evaluate our own motives, we can easily wind up sinning against God and against our children in the way we parent. So what suggestions do you have for parents who struggle specifically with angry reactions instead of biblical responses?
2: For the parents or or, or, any reaction? Yeah, I think that uh, my big statement would be repentance, but but to to flesh that out a little bit, when I'm sinfully angry at my child, what I've done is I've personalized their disobedience. I've made it about me. That's why I'm angry. Mm -hmm. I'm not angry for God's glory. Mm -hmm. I'm angry because I can't believe who do you think you are? You think I'm stupid? Why would you do that? You know, how many times am I going to have to tell you? You know, it's all I've made it about me, and so I think that one of the things I often say to parents is a tip off for you. If I'm angry, I've personalized it. That's why I'm angry, because I, I don't get angry because I want to see God glorified. I, I wish I could say I did, but you know, I, I, I mean, I think there's an appropriate sense in which. Anger can be a a righteous response to wickedness if it's godly anger. Uh, That's why Paul even commands anger in Ephesians 4, be angry, sin not. They're both imperatives. Uh, But in any case, generally, the struggles we have is with the garden variety. Who do you think you are? I'm not stupid. You can't get away. You know, I've personalized it. I made it about me. And if you asked me at that moment why I'm angry, I would... Cite what the child's done that is wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll tell you why I'm angry. He parked <laughs> his bicycle in the driveway. I told him a hundred times not to do that. But that's not why I'm angry. That's when. The why mm. is always what's going on inside. It's James 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come of your desires to wage war within you. You want something? You don't get it. We kill it. We cover it. We quarrel. We fight. You know, and even when you pray, you ask for wrong motives just so you can spend it on yourself. So I think that uh, uh, one of the things I would do as a parent is saying is say to them, uh, let the anger be a tip-off to you that you personalized it, and then repent of that. Because I, I think, you know, we don't get better at being Christians in the sense that we get to the point where we never struggle with sin again. I mean, we're going to carry those struggles with us to our grave. Uh, and one day we'll be confirmed in righteousness, but not on this earth. Christian growth is getting to the cross faster. It's turning out of my self-centeredness more quickly. <laughs> it's it's identifying rather than per, uh, perseverating in my anger because and justifying it to myself. You know, I told you a hundred times not to park your bicycle in the driveway. You know, uh, and I had to get out of my car, move the stupid bicycle back in the car, pull the car in the driveway. I want to, you know. And, and at that moment, it doesn't matter what the child says in his own defense, I mean, he can say, Daddy, I just went in for a minute because I had to go to the bathroom. I don't want your excuses. I don't care if you wet your pants. I never want you to leave your bicycle driveway again. <laughs> and the way. again. And if you came along at that moment and said, Ted, why are you so angry? I'm gonna say because he left his bicycle in the driveway, but that's not why, that's when. And I think helping parents mm. to identify that that, that my anger has a when, a why, and a what. The what is what I'm doing. The, the, the when is the circumstance. The why is what's going on inside. Generally, we're not struggling with righteous indignation. We, uh, you know, and we certainly don't sin against people with righteous indignation. But when we sin against our kids grievously, it's because it, it's unrighteous indignation. It's, it, we've personalized it. We've made it about us. So my, my goal with a parent in counseling and even in talking to parents and teaching is helping parent identify that more quickly. So more quickly, I can, and even in the moment, I'm sorry, honey, Daddy's getting very angry. It's wrong. It's about me. I'm sorry. Please forgive Daddy. And I can pray and ask for God's help, and God will help me because that's the promise of Scripture. So he will help mm-hmm. me at that moment. And at that moment, I will know his strength and his grace. And, and so I want parents to get there faster. I think yeah. getting there faster is what Christian growth is about.
1: Yeah, and, and just the humility of when we do blow it like that, being willing to let our children see us humble ourselves because that's showing them what the conviction of the Holy Spirit yeah. looks like and how we're to rightly respond to that yeah. conviction. So I love that. So even when we blow it, God can use us.
2: Yeah, Ginger, I think that's such a good insight because I think sometimes uh, you can have a greater impact by honestly acknowledging your sin and failure uh, than you would have had if you'd gotten it right to begin with as right. you're modeling That's right. for the child and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and you're helping them to know where to go with their sin and where to go with their mm-hmm. failure and how to engage with other people when I failed them. I mean, all that stuff is incredibly important.
1: It is. And when we're willing to do that, God's grace comes down.
2: Absolutely. All
1: right. So, Ted, we do receive a lot of questions from parents uh, also regarding angry children. And, you know, obviously, if parents are modeling anger with actions or words, uh, it will more than likely provoke anger in their children. We're told in Proverbs 15, 1, that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. But, Ted, what about parents who are not modeling anger but are seeing anger manifested in their children on a regular basis? And just for an example, uh, we had a question come in from one of our listeners, and I would just like to read that to you if that's okay. Sure.
2: Yeah.
1: Evan in Texas writes... My husband and I have two children, ages four and one. We are actively involved in our church, live on a ranch, and spend quality time together. We have been having big problems with our four-year-old daughter. She truly is kind, brilliant, and beautiful. She has lots of questions about Jesus and is quick to make friends with everyone. However, she has quite the temper, and we don't know where she gets it. When she is angry, she often hits, scratches, and kicks us. More concerning to me is that she is always yelling at us, and this can be for no reason at all. Please note that she does not live in a home where this communication is modeled She will stomp through the house, slam doors, and throw toys We deal with this on a daily basis, usually for almost each task we do Such as brushing teeth, bathing, getting dressed, etc I feel that I am at my wits end And uh, Evan signed her email a very frazzled mom So Ted, (laughs) what encouragement can you offer to this very frazzled mom?
2: Well, a couple of things is, uh, I think I would, uh, uh, w- one of the things I would do is look at passages of scripture about anger and and even begin with a four-year-old to talk about those passages, memorize them, uh, make little posters out of them, let her color the posters, hang on the bedroom wall and so forth. So you're doing all that visual stimulation and, and, and teaching stuff. The other thing, another thing is I think we don't do enough of as parents you know, I would want in my first prayers for this child, first thing in the morning, to say, honey, we're going to pray that God will help you today. Because today, sometime today, you're going to struggle with being angry because you don't like something mom's asking you to do. And in that moment, God can help you. And so I want to pray. We want to pray right now that God will help you. And I want to encourage you when you feel that nervousness in your t- tummy or whatever it is, that the physical manifestations of that anger coming on that she experiences, when you feel that, come to me, and I will pray with you. And God will help mm. us. God's going to help you, and God will help us as a family. Uh, and and this is going to be a wonderful opportunity for you to grow as a, as a young lady. And so I, I would I would talk to her about that. And then uh, as soon as she's struggling with anger, I say, honey, we need to pray. I know you're really angry right now. We need to pray because God can help us. Remember, we prayed about this this morning. Before breakfast, we were praying about this, you know, and and so I think you can, you know, most of the struggles our kids have, you can anticipate. I mean, they come up every day. So you can Mm -hmm. do some, you know, advanced work on that before it, you don't have to wait for it to happen or wait for the meltdown. And if you think about it, what we're doing actually at that point, because the parent is a tangible representative of God in this child's life. So by learning to come to mom and as mom, mommy, I'm feeling really upset because I don't want to brush my teeth. Uh, I'm going to pray with you, honey. We'll pray about that. We'll pray that God will help you to, you know, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's going to mom now, but that very easily matures into a habit of going to God with my struggles. So I think that's where I would encourage mom to go. So I would keep that on the front burner so that as you're uh, well, you're putting her to bed at night. You're praying about it. Honey, we need to pray about this anger thing because I know you struggle with it. And when you're angry, you're not happy. We're not happy. It spoils a piece of our home. And so let's pray that God will help you. So when you're talking to her and she's not in trouble, so I think we don't spend it. We don't capitalize enough on the non-confrontational moments because sometimes the finest teaching is not in the moments of confrontation. It's in the non-confrontational moments. When we're teaching and instructing, uh, that we can we can try to really make uh, great gains with our kids. So that's where I would mm-hmm. encourage a parent to go. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, that's, that's good wisdom.
0: Beautiful. Yes. Well, it is such a temptation for parents to measure their success by how their children behave when they're younger, and even how they turn out when they're older. So, my question to you then is: Should parents feel responsible for the behavior? The decisions and the outcomes, so to speak, of their children.
2: Yeah, I think the yeah the temptation for us is to make our kids our calling card, and as soon as we head down that road, I mean, we're, what are we doing? We're, you know, it's about our pride, it's about our self love, it's about our desire to look successful and to be approved by the the other people in our world who we want to impress with our wisdom and. and and savvy and all that. So I I think repenting of that is a real important thing. But I think that, yeah, the temptation is for us to have our sense of identity bound up with our children. And uh, I I talk about that in shepherding in the the chapters that talk about uh, the life experiences that come to the, the shaping experiences of life and the God-word orientation of our children's hearts. And the child is never as simple as just the shaping influences, because you can provide the very best possible shaping influences, just like the, the note you read a moment ago. Uh, sounds like a, a lovely couple who are working very hard to be godly parents and ha- to create a peaceful, and wonderful home for their children. Uh, but that doesn't keep this child from struggling with anger, because uh, the anger issue has to do with the child as a covenantal being who interacts with God and the world and who is angry with God's providence in her life. And that has to do with what she's doing with God. So I think those two things, the shaping influences we provide, we want them to be the very best possible shaping influences. We want to be parents that are not yelling. We want to be kind. We want our correction to be appropriate and and measured and positive and gospel-centered. and We can do all those things God's called us to do. And there are a lot of shaping influences we don't have control over, too. Uh, You know, the tragic things that happen in family life that are unscheduled, undesired, that come up on our blind side. We didn't have any control over. It It wasn't something we chose to do, but it came to us. So there are those shaping influences we can't control. But what the child does with those shaping influences of life is entirely related to what he's doing with God. And if you make that great exchange of Romans 1, where Paul says, you know, they exchange the truth for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the Creator. If you exchange the truth for a lie and worship and serve created things, it doesn't matter how excellent the parenting might have been, uh, because the child will still end up serving himself in some way, uh, even if it's not, you know, becoming an antisocial, crass, you know, difficult person. Even, he can be, uh, you know, as suave and debonair and classy as can be and still be bound up in self-service and self-love. Uh, mm-hmm. Most times, parents are not nearly as worried about that child as they are about the one with uh, all kinds of tattoos. and you know. <laughs> But I think that the way that I think about this is that what my child does with God will determine what he does with life and what, what he does with the shaping influences I've provided, which, which means we're put in, as parents in the most humbling position possible. Because, and this is one of the most humbling aspects of parenting, in my judgment, is that the realization I cannot save my kids.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I can do all the things God's called me to do. And I'll never do them perfectly anyway, because I'm a flawed person. I'm so compulsively self-serving and so blind, even blind to my own blindness that I, I'll, I won't get it right anyway. So, I mean, if I had thought if I get it right, my kids will turn out right, that would never comforted me because I didn't get it right enough. Uh, but I think uh, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, my child's going to respond to God, and however he responds to God will determine the shape and process of life. And people say, well, then why bother? And the answer to that question is uh, because it's what it means to love God and obey God. Hmm. I want to yeah. do what God's called me to do,
1: yeah. and
2: I believe God works through means. And the ordinary means God uses is the family and, and the home. So I believe God works through means, but it's not an ironclad guarantee. Proverbs twenty-two six is not a promise that uh, if we get it right, our kids will grow up to be right. Uh, right. It, it's a it's a it, it's wisdom literature. It's a basically it's a it's a generally true statement, uh, but there are. Uh, You know, ultimately what our kids do with God determines what they do with the shaping influences of life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And I've heard you say that so many times. And Katie and I have talked about this before. You know, it is our responsibility as parents to train our children in the ways of the Lord. We're commanded to do that. Right. It's our responsibility right. to require obedience and respect mm-hmm. from our children and mm-hmm. to point them to their need for Jesus in every aspect of their lives. And Absolutely. But I've heard you say this so many times, Ted. Ultimately, our children's salvation and decision to surrender to the Lordship of Christ That's a matter that can only be settled between them and God. So we can point them to Jesus, but we cannot make that decision to follow them, uh, follow Jesus for them. And you know what I love so much about this truth of recognizing that that only Jesus can truly transform their lives is that it helps us to not struggle with pride when our children turn out well or defeat (laughs) when they don't. That's
2: right. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. It's just flip sides of the same coin. Because Mm -hmm. it's very easy for us to preen ourselves when they do well and want to take credit for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, yeah, you're right, exactly, on both sides, both on when they do well or if they do poorly. It's not about me.
1: That's right. Mm.
0: Ted, something you said made me think about a conversation I had with my daughter recently in the car, and my daughter is just very compliant. Um, Rarely do we see any real issues that we need to... (laughs) <laughs> you know, any fires we need to put out with her, it's all, I'm, I'm certain internal. And so I did have a conversation with her in the car the other day and just said, sweetheart, I know that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. And, and this was in a moment of no, 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 no issues that we were having but i just said i want to know areas that you might be quietly struggling and i want you to let me know so that i can know how to pray for you in that way and she did she opened up and she shared wow. some of the secret sins mm-hmm. of her heart that oh, wow. that i would not have known ordinarily so i think in those quiet moments with our kids you know really encouraging them to probe their hearts not just when they're in the midst of turmoil or there's yeah. trouble in the house yeah. But in those quiet moments, too, and even with, like you said, Ted, the the kids that are more compliant, that we may not really – that fly under the radar, I guess, is probably Mm -hmm. the best way to put it.
2: (laughs) Well, I think that's so wise, Katie, because I think the the, – we want to talk to them in non-confrontational times, Mm -hmm. not just in confrontational times, which is what you did. It's a pleasant ride in the car. There's no no issues. And she was – at that moment, willing to open up. And those those moments right. are golden. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. uh, right, right. And then being sure I don't lord it over her in moments where it's not going so well.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> but, yeah. so easy. It, it, that's another temptation parents have is, you know, well, you, you prayed and asked Jesus to save you. You're not very much like a Christian right now. Right. Well, my right. goodness, my kids could look at me any day and say, dad, Yeah, you're not exactly. like a right now." I mean, yeah. exactly. the hypocrisy of that is appalling, but uh, it's also it, <laughs> it also is. makes the kids realize I've got to be really cagey about what I say to mom and dad because they're going to use it against
0: me. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. And today's quick tip is courtesy of our wonderful guest, Ted. So Ted, what, what quick tip do you have for parents today?
2: Okay. My quick tip is about technology because I had the joy of Ooh. raising kids in the pre-internet era. And when the phone was attached to the wall and you call a place, not a person, <laughs> <laughs> you hope the person <laughs> you wanted to talk to is at the place you just called. So my, uh, my tip for parents is determine the appropriate use of technology before you open the box. So if you get a game, uh, uh, Xbox, you talk about when you use the Xbox, after chores, after, you know, how many hours, minutes a day is appropriate, uh, you know, so forth. And and you, make, and you make that agreement and you put it in writing and you both sign it, make it a contract. Because otherwise mm. you argue endlessly about what was said before the box was opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same with the phone. Uh, you know, uh, talk about the appropriate use of the phone and uh, before you open the box. I always encourage parents to never give your kids an iPhone or a, a smartphone, any kind of a phone. You can say to them, look, I have this phone here. It's, 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 on, it's on my plan. I bought this phone, uh, and, and I pay for it every month. But I think you need a phone, and I would like to let you use my phone. I mean, if, if, if there's a world of difference between that and, hey, I bought you an iPhone. Because Mm -hmm. as soon as I give him that phone, whose phone is it? It's his phone. But if I say to Mm -hmm. him, it's my phone, under these conditions, I will let you use it. And if you're willing to accept it under those conditions, you can use it. And if you violate those conditions, I will take my phone back. So I think thinking through how we want them to use technology before we give it to them and having that conversation beforehand, because what parents do is they're excited about, hey, I got your next box. And they're all excited about it. They open the thing up. No, There's no conversation. There's no thinking through in advance. And then they find this kids playing video games, you know, seven hours at a time. It gets hostile when they say you got to quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think that just being smart about how you give technology to kids is very important.
0: It's mm-hmm. great. Speaking That's my good. language, isn't you? That's what I was about to say. <laughs> I can't tell you how
1: many times Katie gets on the soapbox about all the technology and the damage oh, that it does to kids, it's, and it, so you're it, definitely it is, uh, speaking her language a there.
2: Bane of our existence, and it's, it's a, uh, you know, I mean, it's a wonderful blessing in many ways. I mean, there, I, I certainly would not want to go back to the pre-internet era, uh, no. or I wouldn't even want to go back to having a flip phone instead of a smartphone. I, I depend on ways. To find my yeah, back and same. forth in the gas station. So but
0: uh <laughs> I think
2: that uh it's it's uh the the technology just needs to be managed and a lot of times mm-hmm. we don't think through the management of it carefully enough.
1: Yeah, mm, that's
0: a good, good word. Well, if you have a quick tip for our show, listeners, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to genderhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those.
1: Ted, this has been such an encouraging message. Just so much wisdom comes from you, and we just appreciate your time to share that with our listeners. How can our listeners find out more about you, your books, and your ministry?
2: Uh, the Our ministry uh, website is shepherdingtheheart.org, shepherdingtheheart.org, and uh, that there's a lot of uh, information, some little video clips that I've done there, and also uh, uh, resources that are available, like Ginger Hubbard's Wise Words for Moms and things like that, so, <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, also our schedule uh seminar schedule those sorts of things
1: great
2: Uh, or uh, for resources you could also contact shepherdpress.com shepherd press is a publisher of my stuff and and some of uh ginger's best-selling things so uh (laughs) uh, you can contact (laughs) shepherd press for resources too there are a lot of stuff that uh, a lot of new stuff that we've published too recently that is just very valuable a lot of good family stuff there too
0: That is great. And we'll have Heather put a link in our show notes to those things. So, Ted, can you please leave our listeners with a final word of encouragement?
2: Sure. I was thinking about uh, the passage in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul says, uh, praise to God who can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we could ask or imagine according to His power that is at work in us. And I think we have to remind ourselves of that continually because when we think soberly about ourselves and our kids and our family life and our own uh, failures and times that we uh, would be embarrassed by if others had seen us or heard us, uh, we need the encouragement of knowing that God is at work in us and he's able to do beyond all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us.
1: Mm. Amen. Well,
0: thank you so much, Ted and Ginger. And thank you listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever it is that you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This is a huge help to get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubber.com slash ask Ginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. Also, while you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering Ginger's Wise Words for Moms chart bundle deal at a 10% discount. It's a buy three, get a fourth chart free deal for only $15. And if you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com, you can get an additional 10% off this already great deal. The Wise Words for Moms chart is a wonderful gift for baby showers, dedications, or if you'd just like to bless your mom friends who are also wanting to reach the hearts of their children. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard, and you can connect with me on Instagram at Katie in a corner. That's K-A-T-Y in a corner. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.